last week, we talked about the old angry liar. This week, we're going to talk about that old thief. We're talking about putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And that was said in general, and then some specific things God saw fit to bring out in His Word on some certain topics. And tonight, we're going to look at the thief, verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. I'll be honest with you, when I looked back several months ago before I started this study and I got to chapter 4 looking at things, I, I really thought that we wouldn't spend much time as Christians in God's house sharing the word and talking about stealing and too much applying. But, but it's amazing what we find and, and the helps that we can be given in putting off the old man and putting on the new man even in this. We can be encouraged in this knowing that things still tempt us and we might even be guilty of something here tonight. But we can be encouraged because we're a new creature in Christ Jesus. And we are able to put off the old man. And the word that we receive from God helps us to put on the new man. The new man is greater than the old man. And there's a change that takes place in the life when we trust in Christ as Lord and Savior continually. So as we look at this old thief, let's first look at the change. Let him that stole steal no more. We, we see the old man and the new man right there. The old man stole, the new man is to steal no more. I think of a song that I hear sometimes, I'm redeemed. I'm not who I used to be, because I am re redeemed. Thank God for that. But though we've been redeemed and we're not who we used to be, the temptation is still there. The residue of who we used to be still hangs around and tries to rise up in our lives all of the time. So let me just get something straight as we get started tonight. If we were put in a certain place at a certain time with something of certain value and, and no one would know that it was gone, no one would even ever miss it or know it was gone, you'd never get caught, what would you do? At the very least, we'd be tempted. Some Christians, some people, they, they would take it and they would steal it. In the lives of many Christians, the old man is more active than the new man. Shouldn't be, but that's where some Christians can be and are. And so there's the hesitation on doing what's right, and there's the pondering, and that's, there's the weighing out and trying to muddy the water and, and to justify doing some things maybe. There's a justification that some would, would try to make in that they're in a desperate situation. Some people believe they deserve what others have, so they'll take it without the authority to be able to do so. 
If one feels they're underpaid on the job, they're going to be tempted to take from the job in some way. Maybe take something or, or maybe take by not, by not giving something, by not giving a full honest day's work. Something like that. No, ma- no matter how someone tries to justify it, it it's still thieving. And it, and it actually goes on in many ways. When we think about this old thief, the old thief is lazy, you know, and, 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 and greedy. I mean, stealing, that is to take the reward for another man's work. I saw a truck going down the road the other day, and... I, I'm not excited about the thought of a new truck. I, I love my old truck. It was my daddy's truck, and I love it. But I, I saw a beautiful truck, and, I, man, I'm looking at it. I caught it in my rear view, and it comes up beside me, and I'm like, yeah, that's a good-looking truck. And when he passed me, on the back window, as large as it could have letters on it, in, in real chrome, shiny, mirror-type letters, it said, work for it. And that's only half the story. And if you ask my wife, I'm always trying to put together the rest of the story. I don't know. Oh, man, this guy probably had his last truck stolen. So he went and got a new truck, put five alarms on it, and put work for it on the back. Man, what, 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 what hassle he went through with insurance and having to go get another truck, and his payment was probably more. Uh, <laughs> point is... The thief doesn't care about the inconvenience or what they do to the one that they take from. Thinking of self, not of others. You know, I I talked about my garden last week, and I I guess I'm thinking about my garden lot. It's coming up soon. It's coming up in about six weeks, I guess. Mid-March is is when I do it, and, and I've done it for about five years now, and I'm not getting much better, but... But I plant tomatoes for one thing every year, and I get about, I've got about 16 to 22 tomatoes every year. And last year, I, I ate all those tomatoes. Every, you know, when you only get 16 to 18 in a season, that's not enough to give away. So I ate them all. Last year, I had 58 tomatoes. On the, I counted them four evenings in a row just to make sure I had 58 tomatoes. And... Uh, if you ask me how many of them I ate, I'd have to say zero. Guess how many of the Redbirds ate? 58 tomatoes. I didn't eat one tomato. Those Redbirds, those thieving Redbirds, I worked at it. I watered them. I watched them. I put this nylon type of netting over them and tucked it in at the bottom. Somehow those Redbirds got to my tomatoes and ate every one of them. They didn't care anything about my hard work with that garden. You know, and thinking about this day and time, when this was written, you had a lot of farmers. A lot, that was their livelihood. And they, they worked hard and they busted up the ground at a certain time. And they planted the seed at a certain time. And, and so they sowed. And then, and then it comes time for harvest. And there were those who would come through and raid the crops and take everything, take from their hard work and all they had done, take from another man's work, take the reward from what someone else has done, stealing. It's not much crop picking today in theft, but, they, but it's happening in the, in the stores, shoplifting. What you, what you pay the price of on something 
it, it would be about maybe 5 to 10% less if there weren't shoplifting. We're, we're paying for those who have shoplifted and who, who steal. It comes back on, on not only the supplier, but on everyone. But the thief is not just someone who puts merchandise under their shirt and walks out the door. The thief is the one who... We've got to get precise. We've got to get particular. God's particular in His Word. If you, the, the, the looking is called adultery. The look to lust is, is adultery. Hatred is murder. When the, when the cashier accidentally gives back too much change and it's kept, well, that's, that's stealing. That falls under the lines here. I used to go down to the hardware store, and I don't think they do it anymore for insurance reasons, but I could cut my wood in the store. Uh, if I took my measurements down there, I could just cut it on their saw, and it fit in the vehicle, fine, whatever. And you throw your scrap away in a, in a bin that they have, and, you, and you, you take all this lumber, and you go to the front, and they, they scan something, and they ask you how many feet you have. Man, you could have 80 feet, and you could say... 50 feet, and they, they wouldn't know. Big pile of wood. The temptation there. The, to, to do that, it's, it's stealing. And it doesn't matter if it's a more sophisticated thing. Double dipping on the insurance claim, just because it's sophisticated doesn't mean it's not stealing. Same thing there. Back when I was in construction work years ago, and work was slow, a fellow that worked for a package company let me ride with him on the days I didn't have work. It, it was like a generic form of UPS. And so I rode with him, and I'm on and off the truck all day doing his job and, and everything. And, and one day we got off work, and he said, would you mind if I stop by the tax office? You in a hurry? I said, no, that's fine. And we go to this old house and walk in the door, and back in the bedroom, there's, a, there's an office in this house, and it's... It's kind of just kind of creepy almost in there. And, and so I'm sitting there and he does his business and we go out and get in the car. And I said, why did you go there? Why do you go there for your taxes? He said, did you see all those drivers this morning? There's about 30 of them. I said, yeah, I saw them when we all left. He said, every one of them go there because this man takes the adjacent routes and he makes our expenses look like more so that we can get a bigger tax return back. So you have a tax man that's, that, that's a thief, and you have all the drivers that are, that are stealing. You know, it's a... And as far as theft is concerned, the, th- the theft alone, it's no different than someone holding a gun on the convenience store clerk and saying, give me all your money. It's, it's stealing. So we, it's, it's definitely something to be precise about and examine concerning... The command, let him that stole, steal no more. I think Brother Ron might have thought he offended me or or I was taken back when he said, when you have any expenses, turn in your receipt and write the event you used it for and any details that would help me. I tell you what, that didn't offend me at all. That, that, that helped me. I, 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 love, I love the honesty and the, and the transparency and, and having my testimony, having my back for my testimony. I don't think it's ever happened with the church account, but in my own account, you know, somebody will call me up and, and they'll say, have you been to Australia in the last eight weeks? 
because there's some purchases that have been made on your account. I said, no, I've never been there, and no one in my home has. So you never know what could happen, and I love that security, and I, and I love that help, and I love the help for my testimony that it, that it wouldn't get hurt by these things. That doesn't, that doesn't hurt me at all whatsoever. I'm glad to do that. We're all required to do that. I mean, that, that's the Lord's money. You know, it's in the strictest sense, it's, it's not the church's money, it's the Lord's money. In the strictest sense, you don't give your money to, to the church, you give it to the Lord. And the way you give it to the Lord is through the church. So I want to be careful with every penny myself. You know, you... You wouldn't say that you pay the church. You wouldn't say you pay your tithes. But you give to the Lord. You give to the Lord what is His. A hundred percent of what we receive, it's His. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, it's the Lord that giveth thee power to get wealth. It's all His. And He says, Give me back what is mine, but only this first portion. Give that back to me. And so we're not paying the church or anything like that. We're giving, giving the Lord what is His. I don't talk about this much. I don't like hearing someone talk about it even if I'm faithful with what it's saying. But you can't avoid the issue when you come upon this subject. I don't, I don't want to talk about this because of a building fund coming up or something like that. I don't want to talk about this because of whatever is in the church account. You know, and the great need or, or, or the great abundance, whatever it may be. It's, it's not about that when we get down to, to that issue of everything that is God's and He requires that the first portion come back to Him. I bring this up and, and my passion for it is our relationship with God. It's important for our relationship with, with God. I think I've brought this up maybe three times in, in 12 or 13 years, and, and maybe that's not enough. I don't know. When, when I started learning that, it, it wasn't preached for me to learn it. I heard it somewhere. I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you a little story real quick of, of, of Shelly and I and sitting in church, and I thought I was saved, and we'd go to church every now and then, and... And she would put some money in the plate, and I would look. And I would say, honey, we, we're going to have to leave after the singing, if that's all you're going to give. And, uh, yeah, I, and, and, and I think back now, and I'm thinking, how did I know that? How did I know that was too small an amount? I didn't know what the tithe was. I, I was right, that was too small an amount. But how did I even know that? The Lord saved my soul. And, and, and here's my process. It might not be yours, and it might be a weird way of thinking, but I, I, we went to the Lord's house after He saved me, and I sat there 
And I thought about my utilities at home. And I'm really talking out of the box on this. I'm just talking how I... Uh, it's my testimony, though. I looked at the lights in the, in the church that we're on. I, 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 I felt the comfort of the temperature in the building, and I appreciated it. And I sat on some nice seats. And I, I thought about my utilities, and I pay them. And then I'm sitting in church, and I have no church background, but the Lord saves me. I don't know much, but I know Jesus saved me, and I'm part of the family of God, and I'm going, who pays this? I, I really, that's, that's my testimony. That was my way of thinking. And, and uh, I, I don't remember ever being preached to on, on the 10th, on the tithe. I'm not saying God detoured around His Word and gave me revelation. I, I heard it somewhere, obviously, and knew that's, that's what it was. And I tell you what, we were pretty tight. It was pretty tight before I was saved, when I had 100%. And after I got saved, I, I had 90%, and it was still tight. And it stayed that way for a while. But, but I, had, I had peace. There, there was some peace that... I was obedient and, and doing what I should. Let him that stole steal no more. It's, uh, it comes into the picture with God. It does because he's, he's commanded this. Everything's his. And he says, bring the first tenth back to me. He doesn't need it. Sometimes you might say the church doesn't need it. But we always need it, no matter what condition of the church, ourselves, anything. We always need it because of our relationship with God. God says, trust Him. Trust Him in 90%. Not that, don't trust that that 10% has to be the icing on my cake to assure that I get through the week. Trust Him, not that. God says love Him and not money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Love me. Express your love and your obedience to me. And I give you all of this, and you give me back the first portion, which is mine, and trust me to do the rest. The math didn't make sense for me at first. It didn't. It didn't make sense that I did just as well with the 90% as I did 100%. Still tight. Tight one way and tight after. But there was a peace. There was a peace in doing what we should do. And when we don't, it, it does, it can't be left out of the Christian life. It it hinders fellowship with God. It hinders our worship with God. It's something just as important as our prayer life of confessing our sins, of, of, of witnessing for Him, of worshiping Him, of singing praises to His name, of praying for the sick, and, and serving in a ministry, and teaching. It's just as important as any of it. I'm going to read some verses that I've, that I've never read out loud in church before. You might say, shame on me, but I'm, for never having done it. 
But Malachi 3, 8 through 10, as we look at the subject, it says, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You're accursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. I got a phone call about a year ago from a Christian across town. He didn't call a financial advisor. He called the preacher. And he said, I have to ask you a question, Brother Kenneth. I said, well, what's that? And he said, I, want to, I need some help and I, I want the honest answer. He said, can, there, can a curse be put on me in my financial situation? That was the question. My phone rang and that was the question that came to the preacher. And he wanted the answer. And I was faithful to God and I gave him the answer. And that answer is yes. I didn't know his condition and what he did, but I said, if, yes, there can be a curse. If the first portion out of all that God has given is not given to him on the first day of the week or, or every two weeks or every month, whenever it is, then yes, that can happen. Let him that stole steal no more in any way. Any of it hinders our fellowship with God and our worship of God. Praise the Lord, we can overcome that. that that's the old man. And God says to put on the new man so we can put on the new man. We've been changed. Let's look at the chore. Let's look at the chore in verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good. Stealing is evil. Working is good. There are those who can't work for various reasons, for their health, and, and, and there are other reasons. And then there are those who can you know, there's a time to work and a time to rest. It just seems like the, the mentality in this world today, and I'm going to go off here for a minute, but, but I, I just see something here. It seems like there's a mentality in this world today that, that we're trying to operate in such a way to work less. And uh, less work time and have more other time. You know, and I, and I reckon in most cases... Whatever takes the place of that work time isn't productive time. And it becomes idle time. Work time is safe. Idle time is dangerous. And that's a message for another day. But to work for what we have is a good mentality. It's a good thing. To want something for nothing, that's bad. But to work, what we see here, it is good. It is a good thing. And the the world has lost sight of that. It really has. 
Anybody here remember their first job and their first week at work? Anybody? Raise your hand if you do. Seriously. First job, first week at work. You interviewed. You got the job. Maybe you were 16. I believe I was. And, and I went and got my grocery store. Went and got my, my white shirt and my tie and that I had to wear. And I showed up for work early like my dad told me to. And clocked in, and, and I worked. I did everything they wanted me to do. I was so excited. It was something new. And, and they called me on my day off in my first week, and I, I, was, I was there. I got the phone, and I was able to go in, and I, they, they asked me to fill in for someone else. I got an extra day in, and they thought it was great. They thought I did great to do that for them. And, and I worked all week and finished on Friday, and I knew the next Friday was payday. It was my day off, and I went in, and I got that check. And, and for my labor, I got this money. And I think they cashed it for me right there. It wasn't much, you know, so they just cashed it right there for me. And I went home with that money, and I felt like I had accomplished something. I, I felt so good about what I had done. And that gets, I ended up getting fired from the job later, I guess that just got lost real quick with me. It's, it, it's really gotten lost in this world today. The, the value of the cause and the effect, you know, the, the sowing and the reaping and the sense of accomplishment and the honor and work. Work pleases God and it's just a different mentality today and it's lost today. When we think about Adam in the garden before he sinned, God said dress and keep the garden. He gave him a duty. He gave him some activity. He gave him something to do and it was good. God gives work to be active and productive is a good thing. People look forward to retirement and I don't blame them. But when I talk to people six months after they retire, most people tell me I need to go back to work to get a break. I have been busier in retirement than before I retired. And I say, God bless you because activity is good. It's good to God. A big topic today If somebody's hiring on a high level and they're interviewing and they're going to have people under them, I'll tell you, it's a top ten question today. How are you going to boost morale? We need to boost morale on the job. And don't get me wrong, I had a little bit of that at Bluebell and, and, uh, you know, they, and and jobs do that. Well, Well, what I would do is I would give employee of the month. And I put their picture up for the month. Reward someone for their good job. And that's fine. I give somebody their own parking spot. That's what I do. Their own parking spot for that month if they're employee of the month. Well, every six months, I, I, I want to add in there a free day. You have your vacation days and your sick days. And this is just a free day. So, you, so you're not tempted to lie when you're, when you're not sick, but you want to use a sick day. And so you say you, you don't have to do that. This is a free day. You use it any way you want every six months. And that's all fine and dandy. But how about having a job? How about that for morale? How about having the health to work a job? How about having the skill and the talent to be successful and productive and make a difference on the job? And how about receiving money for it at the end of the day? 
That, I mean, that's I, maybe I'm just plain and simple, but that's like some pretty good morale there to me. I mean, there, there's a lot of people who would want jobs that a lot of people have. Employees, another thing, used to obey the commands of the boss. Whatever the boss says to do, whether the employee liked it or not, they did it. Today, the employee is trying to dictate to the boss what to do and what to change for them. Boss, what have you done for me lately, maybe? You know, there, there are a lot of people that, that live, live underneath the, the overpasses. I've seen them. I, out 45 South, I see a lot of tents under those overpasses. And I hate to see that. That's where people live. And a lot of people, uh, any of us could be there. You know, for different circumstances. A lot of the circumstances involve people who didn't want to obey authority and do what they should do on the job. And, and so that's where they end up. And, and all this is about an attitude about work. Quality of work is declining. Incompetence is met just about every time I try to do some kind of business in some way. So I, there's business I have to do, and Shelly's on me to do it, to get on the phone with the company, and, and I'm just afraid there's going to be incompetence. And sure enough, it happens. It's all over the place. I was in, I was in uh, customer service for a long time. There's no, that doesn't exist, exist anymore, really. <laughs> you know, you, you put on an apron. Somebody puts on an apron and it says, how may I help you? And they didn't put that on that apron. Because what they would put on the apron is that's not my department. All right? They need a pen that says, don't you see, I'm trying to avoid you. That's what their face says in the store when I go to ask them a question. It's, it's the attitude about work. It's, it's, it's not as God would say we are to be. It sounds like I'm just ranting on, but the mentality of work, it's, it's going in the wrong direction. Laboring to earn what we have and to provide, it's a good thing. It's not just a good thing, it's a godly thing. God is pleased with it. The Bible teaches to do that. We get weary in work. We get tired in work. We get excited about a week of vacation. I've, I've been there, done that. I had a job with about, with about 80, 70 to 80 days off a year is, is all I had off. I, I don't think that's many. And man, I couldn't wait for vacation. I couldn't wait for that week off. And, that, and that's all right. Maybe, maybe we might seek new work. I had a job where I worked late at night, and I come home and ask my wife, how you doing? She said, just had dinner by myself once again. That's all. I went and got a different job. When God, when God earlier hours, and we had dinner together. Wife's happy and everybody's happy then. So it's okay to, you know, to, to, to look for something else or, or, or something like that. But a job is a blessing. It's spiritual to work, and God blesses our labor. Our labor honors the Lord. So when we're putting off the old man and putting on the new man, we're We're changed. We're changed. Instead of stealing for self, we have a chore and we work to provide. 
And then, as we're being changed from glory to glory, as we're being sanctified, as, as Jesus is steadily saving us, we go from being changed to the chore and, the, and then to the charity. The end of verse 28. We're trying to wrap this up. That he may have to give to him that needeth. I say charity, not as in like some kind of mercy giving. I, I just mean charity by the way the Bible speaks of the word charity. Love. Charity means love. And we grow in love. We put, off the new, we put off the old man. We put off the old thief. We put on the new man. We put on the worker. And as the new man continues to grow, then the new man becomes more. The worker and the giver. To give to others is charity by means of an outward expression of love for others. We work instead of steal. We give instead of take. Proof that we're saved is the transition from from it's not take and it's give. There's rare situations that are a clause in this, okay? But But for the most part, this is the way it happens. There are some who have the gift to give. Romans chapter 12 verse 8 talks about the gift to give. And some can give more than others. But I tell you, everybody, everyone can give. And it's a good thing to do. My favorite example of everyone giving is uh, the churches of Macedonia in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, verses 1 through 5. And I want to read that real quick. There was the offering that was taken up for the poor saints in Jerusalem. They were on hard times. And the different churches were taking up these offerings. And Macedonia just about needed an offering themselves. They were just barely doing a little better than, than Jerusalem. If Jerusalem was doing better than them, it might have been Macedonia maybe that, that had the offering taken up. But listen what it says about these churches of Macedonia. It says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and and beyond their power. They were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. They needed an offering themselves, and they didn't have much power to give. Corinth did. Corinth put their offering on the back burner. And, here's, and, and, and they were doing well. But here's the churches of Macedonia over here, and they're not doing very well. They don't have much power to give, but they gave beyond their power. Make sense out of that. Only, only by what it says after that. Because they first gave their own selves to the Lord. They, and they put on the new man. And the new man is able to do things that we didn't think we would ever be able to do. The new man that does things in the Lord does things beyond their ability. 
We go from, from the taking to the giving when we put on the new man. From the thieving to the thriving. So as we have had these commands to put off the old man and to put on the new man, God has included very important details here. And maybe you're not struggling with any of this tonight. Maybe you're saying, preacher, I'm preaching to the choir. But we need, we need it over and over. We need the refreshing of the Word of God. The old man is always going to try to creep back up. Put off the old man. Put on the new man. We can't do that in our might or our own human ability. This is a message to the Christians tonight. But a person must be born again to be able to do that. No one will do this in their own might. Someone might walk in the steps temporarily on their own, but it's not real and it can't last until you're in Christ. But more importantly than to be able to do these things as a Christian when you become a Christian, more importantly is to have your sin debt pardoned from you. That you would know you're born again in the Lord Jesus Christ and that you would trust in Him as Lord and Savior. And He makes you a new creature. But when He does, the old man is still hanging around and he wants to take over. And he wants to douse the light of Christ in our lives. Let's put on the new man together. Corey.